Welcome to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson and I ask my guests one simple question, why? Focusing on the importance of why, I share with you the relatable, uplifting and inspiring conversations I have with people from all walks of life. This podcast will encourage you to focus on your why to enable and empower you to achieve the success you desire. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why. Welcome, Tony J. Salimi, to the Focus on Why podcast. Thank you so much, Amy. It's a pleasure to be on your podcast. And I know that we were introduced by the wonderful Adrian Hales. I know that he, he's had you on his podcast too. And he said, you have to have Tony onto your podcast, Amy, because he has the most incredible why, the mission, and just general story. So here we are recording it so that the audience can hear Tony's story. You know what's amazing, Amy? How in time we meet people that if we go back in time, we suddenly have things in common. And with Hadrian, basically he served in Kosovo during the civil war in former Yugoslavia as a soldier. So he knows really, truly the atrocities and the things I have been through firsthand. And I actually uh, was conscripted in the former Yugoslav army straight from school. Meaning at the age of 18, I was trained to be a killer, frankly. And it's interesting the parallels behind that because those were the worst times in my life where you are brought up into this beautiful country and suddenly you find yourself in the chaos of civil war. And, uh, you know, it's easy when you fight a, a common enemy, but the enemy became everybody around you. And you can imagine what goes on in somebody who's been at school and suddenly is given a gun, not knowing who to fight. Yeah, I can't I can't even begin to imagine how that feels from someone who has literally just become an adult to then have that responsibility without actually knowing the why behind what they're doing and not really sort of even being prepared mentally, physically, just sort of thrown in at the deep end. Yes, I mean, it's basically, you mentioned some key points in there when you say you're not even prepared mentally or emotionally, but, you know, who can prepare you mentally and emotionally to go out there and fight against your own family, against your own neighbors, against people you grew up with, uh, with uh, a chaos in a government that nobody knew at the time what was really happening. The only thing you knew, it's the old way of thinking where it's your duty to protect the country, like every soldier in every country would be given this task. But unfortunately, uh, back then, and this is we're going back into 1990, uh, almost like uh, 31 years ago, it was something that not only internal people did not understand, but the world could not understand what happened in 10 years of civil war in former Yugoslavia in the midst of Europe. You know, because we were hopefully as a as a humankind, we learned quite a lot from the atrocities of the Second World War. But suddenly, after you learning all this history about the different wars, you as a young uh, teenager find yourself in a civil war, not understanding why. So what happened just after that? Basically, I mean, miraculously, my life was saved from one of the commanders. And then together with my mother, She borrowed some money from neighbors to literally put me on the first flight out of former Yugoslavia uh, and the last flight, which was a flight to the UK, to London. Because back then, it's basically, you know, um, 
the country was still known as Yugoslavia. And Yugoslavia had uh, tremendous privileges globally, which means that, you know, people could travel freely around the world. And uh, the last flight uh, out of Macedonia before they stopped all the different flights was to, the Lond to London. So my mother borrowed some money with a rucksack on my back. I landed at Heathrow Airport, knowing nobody, um, having very little money. Back then, I had about 250 Deutschmarks. Because the Deutschmarks were still then, you know, Euro came later on. And um, it's, I landed in a city that I knew nothing about. I couldn't speak the language. And I was in this midst of emotional war inside of me, having known what I've experienced in the beginning of the civil war, because then it went even worse. And suddenly I was torn apart from my life and leaving my mother behind and leaving my family behind, not knowing will I ever see them again. And how did you feel about this sort of liberation in some respects, but also, you know, a, a huge, as you said earlier, like this is internal war going on? Well, back then, Amy, I didn't really see it as liberation. I saw it as uh, almost like my heart being pulled out of my chest because my entire identity of who I was was torn apart. I was torn apart from my family. I already lost family and friends. I lost fellow soldiers who were under my command. So uh, mentally, I was totally, totally destroyed. I literally lost faith in humanity. I lost faith in God. I lost faith in religion. I lost faith that uh, you know people care. And here I am living on the streets of London, observing two different realities. Like if you can imagine 24 hours before that, how what my reality was. And suddenly I see people normally being free on the streets and then blaming myself why I'm not dead, why I'm not dead with the rest of them. And almost having this guilt of uh, 19 years old, being on the streets saying, I'd rather die with my family than being safe. But then... My mother, she'd rather die herself saving my life than leaving me in the world dying at the age of 19. So I was really battling quite a lot mentally and emotionally trying to understand my mother's decision to save my life, which it took me years to understand her, I would say, her drive to make sure her children are safe, which every mother in the world will do the same. So you're 19 years old, you've got a rucksack and a handful of money. What did you do? Basically, I mean, um, from Heathrow, I took a train. I took the Piccadilly line straight to Piccadilly Circus. And um, my mind was like a tornado, Amy. On one hand, looking at myself saying, okay, uh, I have a choice uh, to make. And that choice is get myself on the feet, get myself back to university, and then get some money and try to help my family, at least financially, in a civil war or destroy my life, you know, and go into that self-destructive nature of myself. And when I came out on Impact Piccadilly, I simply spent weeks in front of Trocadero back then, um, and sitting in there and crying and random people just leaving sandwiches or, or an apple or water or something, or a book. And I used to spend quite a lot of my time being homeless, reading the books that I would find somewhere, or people would live next to me. And that journey almost, uh, lasted about six months because be, uh, before I managed to find myself a job, which was living job. And I worked for like different Italian restaurants where basically I used to sleep in a tiny room 
uh, above the restaurant, but at least I had a shower, I had food, and I had um, a roof over my head. So after a year and a half, I started working like three different jobs and started saving some money because my heart uh, always been there to actually understand, first of all, why? Why did this thing happen? And uh, secondly, it's to make my parents proud and for the decision that my mother made to save my life. So to come to a new country and do something with my life and not waste it because that choice, I could have had it back at home. So all of this energy towards sort of the kind of values that my parents instilled in me helped me to really uh, be of service to as many people as I could, because even as a homeless man, I would clean the streets, I would clean people's gardens, I would carry people shopping without ever asking for money. But people started naturally to give me some money. And, you know, it's sort of that really started to build my hope inside of me that there is kindness in people's hearts. And of course, you will come across a lot of harsh people, a lot of people who are against migrants, refugees, and spelling comments and saying words and, uh, you know, making you feel like you are a worthless, worthless person in the society. And despite all of that, my focus was to get back to university, get my education and do something with my life and be of service to humanity. And it was to humanity, not just to one person or stuff like that, because I believe with all of my heart, no child, no human being needs to go through the atrocities of a civil war that I went through. And you mentioned that you it took you a while to understand your mother's motive, her drive to to sort of push you out of the nest, you know, into the, the big wide world. At what point did you sort of ha- did you have a conversation with her and, and sort of say, I finally get it at some or or uh, basically, before I saw my parents again, because my father was caught in, in Bosnia uh, during the war. When I actually left, the war was in Croatia and in Slovenia. So basically, I warned my dad uh, to get out of Bosnia because we had restaurants and properties around former Yugoslavia. And I said, Dad, this thing is going to go worse. But he was a true communist in his heart. He did not believe things will escalate to that level. But what he didn't know, the nationalism, the and, and, uh fascism that existed in the Serbian paramilitary, which actually took over the former Yugoslav army. And this was the whole thing that was happening in the former Yugoslavia army. They used the army for the Serbian to uh, reach their nationalist, their fascist ideas, what back then Milosevic, which he basically got prosecuted in hate. So my father did not believe it will come to that point. So he remained in there, but he basically said to my mother to go to Macedonia to see until things develop. So basically, after eight years of civil war, me and my eldest sister, who consistently sent money, managed to save my dad from Bosnia. He went reunited with my mother. And in 1998, when I graduated from UCL, for the first time after nine years, I flew my parents to England to be for my graduation in here. So it was a reunion that I will never forget. And I don't think no mother, no parent out there who hasn't seen their child would ever forget a reunion of somebody who you brought birth to. And considering how many people, how many lives were lost in between. And all the, I would say, you can imagine as a uh, as a human being, you don't even have to be a mother to think that somebody is in a, in a big wide world out there with no support, with nobody around. How on earth a 19 years old can create a life for themselves with zero support? So, you know, the, it was an emotional journey when I flew my parents in here. 
And to reunite was the biggest gift of life for me. This is where uh, it, deep in my heart, I believed, although I, I was going through those um, moments in my life where I lost faith in everything, but deep in my heart, I believed in God. I believed things will get better. I believe that if I become better, humanity will become better. Because those are the values my mother instilled with me, my parents instilled with me about through work, through service, you will always be great. Especially they instilled in me the importance of education, the importance equally of equality, of gender equality, the importance of women being educated, the importance of women being leaders, the importance of having that masculine, feminine, spirituality, business, technology, science, religion all together to better your life. And this is what over those nine years that I started doing with my life, especially when I started university, I met the most extraordinary uh, people in London who actually helped me on this journey. While my family wasn't there, I started meeting people who actually were extremely compassionate and loving towards me. So, you know, I started realizing that, you know, when you lose something, something else appears in your life straight away in a different form. And one thing that I noticed with people, sometimes we get attached, we want it in this form. Suddenly my family became the people I met in this country. So for nine years, I started building, all of my friends became my family, that kind of support. So they started helping me building my psychology, but not just that. I started doing healing work. I started, uh, you know, learning about healing, going back to the things that in childhood I was exposed to. So all of those things that I lost faith, I started going back with curiosity or saying, okay, let me go back and learn about those things. So not only I studied one of the four best universities in UK and I graduated, graduated from uh, UCL as an uh, engineering student with uh, human behavior and um, organizational uh, uh, psychology, but also uh, in meantime, I attended uh, a lot of courses for personal development, which combination of two helped me build the strength within me, the resilience within me to be able to overcome many of the adversities for those nine years. So that reunion with mom and dad was uh, God sent but also something that um, nurtured my heart in incredible ways. So there was a lot of crying. There was lots of pride of my parents seeing me graduating, my father coming to the graduation ceremony at UCL because my mother came later on. They couldn't sort out the visa on time. And just being with mom and dad, that was the biggest gift that I received for all the pain I endured over nine years. And do you think that the work that you're doing now, which we'll, we'll, we'll go on to talk about, would have happened had you not been that sort of 18-year-old being thrust with a gun in a war that you didn't understand or being pushed out of the country by your mother? Would, would you be doing what you're doing if you had stayed at home? Um, I don't think so, Amy. Why? Because basically, Although my parents always invested in my private education, most likely I would have remained in Zagreb. This is where I now what's Croatia and continued my, I would say, progress as a scientist. And I would have become a PhD or doctor or something else. So I, I honestly believe every experience, every moment shapes our reality. So therefore, you know, if I go back in time and I were to change one decision, none of this would happen. And that applies to every human being. It is what really focused me for 30 years to study human behavior, science, technology, business, personal development, 
psychology, and also spirituality? And how do I integrate all of those into something of a bigger service to humanity? So what's the mission for you now, Tony? My mission is to really, the, the work that I've integrated in the books that I've published and the methodology to bring this work in the lives of one billion people and transforming and elevating the lives of one billion people, especially when it comes to uh, supporting education, because education, we're already running the old education system that was designed almost 200, 300 years ago. And today's children, they are totally set for a whole new reality. So basically, with helping education, we can help transform the world with new levels of awareness that at every level of education needs to happen. Then the next part is basically helping the healthcare system. We've noticed with COVID how behind we are with the healthcare system. And not just that, you know, I work with a lot of doctors who I coach and mentor, and all of these people experience stress, experience burnout, and frankly, they don't have a voice in shaping the NHS. But not just in UK, globally, the people who are in the profession have lost the voice to shape how the profession needs to evolve. You know, we have people who are in charge of a, let's say, healthcare system. They've never been working as a surgeon. They've never worked as a doctor. They never worked as a nurse. And they're making a decision for all these people. And, you know, uh, all these people in the healthcare system, they need a mental health support. And uh, so that is the second part. The third part is business. Business has been evolving in the last, uh, you know, 30 years I've been in this country. And in, when I was made redundant in 2009, I started talking about spirituality in business and nobody believed me those uh, spiritual principles will enter the business. Fast forward 11 uh, years down the line, we're talking about mental health, we're talking about, uh, you know, uh, uh, spiritual principles in business, we're talking about spirituality in leadership, the importance of it. So all of those things. So in a sense, I've always been forward thinking about ideas and about changes that needs to happen in the business world and in leadership. And the other part is government and politics. You know, we're running almost this um, divide psychology in government to lead a nation. And I think today's voters are ready for a conscious government. They don't want any more, let's say, in America, Republicans, Democrats, in this country, conservatives, laborers. They want people who can actually create a vision and a purpose for the country. And I find it extremely disturbing to see what has been happening in this country for the last five years, how the country was divided, and consciously political leaders have played a part in dividing communities, dividing people, dividing nationalities, dividing religion, dividing people with an idea, with a, a psychology that today's voters, conscious people, want conscious government. So this is another part where I'm going to infiltrate my methods and principles to help people in the politics and in the government uh, to actually evolve at the level that the world requires us to evolve because we're not anymore single entity. We work at a global level. And what is our global voice? And this goes for every government because if something that COVID has exposed is really COVID is not about saving lives. If it was about saving lives, governments around the world will have a unified vision how to heal the world and they don't. So a lot of people are understanding this now. And the other part where I want to infiltrate this uh, method is totally transforming leadership around the world. Because simply put it, we live on one planet. And that is our mother, whether we like it or not. Whether we like how somebody else thinks or not, we still share one thing which is in common. You know, we're not living in space. We're not living yet. Maybe in 10 years time, 20 years time, we start to evolve that. 
But even when we evolve that, this is still our, uh, I'll say, our base. And, you know, when you really understand that, do you really want to send bombs and uh, go somewhere and create a war as a leader? Or can we create a dialogue, which is extremely, I would say, connecting dialogue? Because at the essence of we, who we are, as sentient beings, we crave the need for connection. This is why I talk about uh, uh, my uh, uh, next book, which I wrote, which is the hashtag loneliness, about the importance of connection. And if we connect it at the heart level with every nation around the world, we will direct the human consciousness in a whole new level of thinking, being, operating, sharing, collaborating, without this selfishness being uh, uh, awoken in us and you know, thinking like, if we are good and we leave our neighbor bad, we will never be good if our neighbor is bad. We'll never be good if our brother or sisters are not good. If we start at the family level and we apply that to the country level, then we apply that continent level and we apply that at the global level, those relationships are the same. So if we have a better relationship with ourselves, we cannot have a better relationship with our parents, with our children, with our neighbors, with our nations or people at work. So those relationships, those connections are extremely important, Amy. Oh, I'm with you. I'm with you 100% on all of that, Tony. It, it really is important. What I'm what I'm hearing is you're you're, you're very futuristic. You're, you've got that fantastic ability to project your vision and sort of take that into reality. How do you encourage people to not only just use their voice and, and step into their voice, but move that from dialogue to action? Uh, extremely good question, Amy. Now, I believe with all of my heart, for 50 years, what I've studied and researched and worked and transformed the lives of thousands of people, within ourselves, there is part of ourselves that recognizes and acknowledges the truth. No matter how many lies we hear, if somebody works with you and they awaken this truth within you, there's no voice on the outside that can become louder than the voice, the voice from within you. And when this transition happens, Amy, you truly start living an awakened life which means in every moment you start to awaken new awareness within yourself and you start really become an individual, not those disintegrated personas that through self-deception, self-lies, we tend to be somebody we're not. And this is where you move into action. You move into action when the inspiration comes within you and you're not relying on the motivation on the outside. You know, motivation is something that can help you for a bit, but, but the true action comes when you feel inspired from within. When you know in your heart, this is the right move, the right thing to do, and it supports you as an individual uh, in alignment with what you truly value to bring what's inside of you, what's inside your heart into a full action on the outside, which means you're not relying what happens, whether uh, the economy changes, whether the people changes, the government changes, none of that. But you are driven with your true authentic voice, which I'm uh, talking in my a book that's just been published, The Unfakeable Code, which is about truly taking back control. And what means taking back control? It's meaning your entire psychology, your entire being, the soul and the matter, the body, the mind and the heart unite, and they're in alignment with the true intuition and voice from within you. And you say taking back control, but a majority of people never actually had the control in the first place. Absolutely. But this is where uh, I, I promote, I'm an ambassador for education. Why? Because 
even in neuroplasticity, over and over, science has proven we are evolving beings, meaning we, we have the ability to learn and we have the ability to upgrade our mind. So when I first published Path to Wisdom, I spent 12 weeks in meditation to create a methodology that just the way I worked for almost 17 years in various uh, technology roles to upgrade front-end and back-end systems to be able to improve every operation within the business, our mind can do the same. Why? Because our mind is the engine of our reality. So if people are in an undesirable situation, the key is the psychology. So what I've done, I've integrated all of my work to help people consistently create the psychology for the outcomes they want to create in their lives. And it's such a shame that you're not passionate about this, Tony. <laughs> I love this, Amy. I love it because, you know, when something is, you probably will understand it in your own terms. When you know something in your heart can benefit somebody else, you want to shout to the whole world. And one of the things, there are a couple of stages with that. The first stage was really, I went to tell everybody. But the reality is half of these people, they're not going to listen to you. And there's half of people who will listen to you. And then it takes a bit of strength, inner strength to accept the truth. Because, you know, uh, from that, uh, I would say, drive to help other people, you can also become extremely controlling if you're not careful about it. Because, you know, we start to break the, the universal laws, which is basically every human being has the right to be themselves. So therefore, there was a huge transition through uh, all of my learning into becoming a teacher who basically, I don't need to control the outcome of my clients. The only thing I can do is become a clean mirror for them to see their true greatness within themselves. And then whatever that means to them, to go out there and apply that in their reality. And the steps that you talked about where they, they have the awakening, they have the understanding that they are going to be inspired from within, that process is halted by their own limitations and their own courage to step into that space. I find it with my clients as well. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, a case, it's a case of almost being scared of what is to come because of knowing that this is the reality right now. Well, it's not great, but I can deal with it. But then that next step of the unknown is what people are most sort of scared of, of moving into. I know, you know, that things are going to be amazing in that new space. How can you reassure people to, to step up into their own voice and their own actions? Well, one of the things that I've learned, Amy, from my own teachings, and uh, as I said, I've done seminars, I've done talks, I, run, I go around the world working with private clients from all professional backgrounds, starting from royal members of different families around the world, to CEOs, to leaders, to celebrities in Hollywood, which I just worked in St. Lucia, to business owners, to entrepreneurs, coaches, speakers, it does not matter. So it's not up to me to reassure people because that reassurance uh, comes from within you. So it's up to me to help them get the clarity they need to see what the future vision can do for them. Because if there is no clarity about something, if the space is unknown, it's natural as sentient beings for us to fear something. We always will fear the unknown. It's not something that, you know, I've had, I used to fall for the workshop saying, I'll help you eliminate the fear. You know, I never realized how that supported the, uh, the same fear that they were trying to help me. The reality is all of those things that people say uh, eliminate you are totally bullshit. Excuse my language. 
Why? Because we are equipped with all of that for us to be able to go next step. So I had a client who came from a, a, a workshop with one of the top teachers in the world who basically were promoting that kind of idea. I took him at the building on the 22nd floor and I said, jump. And he went like, why? I said, well, you don't have fear, jump. I said, no, I, I, you know, I'll lose my life. So I said, clearly you have a fear then. So he hasn't really eliminated this fear from you. And in that moment, he realized how fear benefits him. So if we don't see the benefits of stepping into the unknown, we'll never make the action. So therefore, as a coach, as a consultant, I fire up thousands of questions until the person's psychology shifts in saying, oh my, oh my God, in this familiar space, what I call, I don't call it comfortable space because I realize there's nothing comfortable about something where you are stuck. But it's a familiar things where we as sentient beings with all of our senses know how to react if something unexpectedly happens. But the true breakthrough doesn't happen there. The true breakthrough is when that inner voice starts getting the clarity of where you can head, or what kind of reality, what kind of oasis you can create where your soul, your heart, your mind, your body feels fulfilled within yourself. And when you have the desire to ritually be fulfilled and have this knowledge within you and to use that knowledge to uh, awaken that knowledge in another human being with their own choice, not because you want to force it, it's incredible the results as a coach, as a consultant, as a mentor, as a healer, as a therapist you can create in your clients. So for me, it's really about a questioning where the one's psychology, one's mind can see the unseen. And in being able to see the unseen, you feel totally empowered from within. I love that, the see the unseen. And you mentioned also about the gift of life and, and how the, the communities have now, you're, you're bringing together the, the, the division of communities, having seen it through you know all the last decades, trying to sort of, again, come back to that sense of belonging and connectedness that we all seek. What's next on the agenda, Tony? Well, I just published The Unfakeable Code, which is my fourth book. So I, I work, the first book was A Path to Wisdom, then Hashtag Loneliness. Then I co-authored a book with some uh, group of an amazing leaders and coaches and consultants called Fit for Purpose Leadership Book Number 3, where I talk about uh, stress and burnout and how the methods that I've created can really uh, help people manage that better and create breakthroughs through that. And then The Unfakeable Code, I wrote it during COVID. And also I've got a documentary called Living My Illusion, uh, The Truth Heads, which we filmed before the COVID and we launched it in uh, on Amazon in uh, for my 50th birthday, 2019, just before COVID started and we had the COVID in 2020. And now I'm also writing two new books. Basically this year I will have three books out in the market. The next one is about the unfakeable genius, which is about how do we awaken this genius within us and to bring all of those things we've been sharing together so the person, no matter what age you are, you start believing you are a genius because the entire reality makes you feel like you're not. So basically, how do we transform that psychology and how do we use uh, communication and intuition to help you on that journey? And also A Path to Excellence, which is a sequence of my first book, A Path to Wisdom. And in Path to Ex Excellence, I'm also creating a whole new method that goes in parallel with the other methods which basically, how do you overcome adversity after adversity on the your ever-evolving journey to excellence? 
because it's not something that is a fixed destination. And this is what also changed in me, Amy, when I stopped thinking that I have one purpose. No, my purpose has evolved in every moment in my life. And again, having gone through so many seminars where most of them taught this like fixed purpose, this is your purpose for life. No, your purpose changes in every moment. You know, I've met parents who are, are I would say, uh, couples who didn't have children. We worked for a while. The moment the child grew up, uh, was born, their life ch changed, their purpose changed, their mission changed, their vision changed. So, you know, I've adopted a full new level of awareness and consciousness, which is in parallel, in alignment with the laws of life and with nature, because nature is not fixed. Therefore, we're not fixed. And this is why sort of the next level of knowledge that I'm bringing together, it's how people can navigate this uncertainty and the space within themselves to be able to be that genius, to be able to be on the path to excellence and being able to overcome no matter what adversity hits them. So they have some form of tool and I'm creating something which is very beautiful. I feel inspired to share it in the world. But also now I've got, uh, um, I've had two film companies who approached me uh, to really turn the unfakeable code into, I would say, similar to the secret movie, but uh, this is me as the expert and having different people and taking them through their methods and transformation and film that real life. But also another project where I want to do with basically with couples who have been divorced through COVID and take them through a full transformation, including their children, and create some uh, incredible documentaries. So uh, talks, documentary, and continuing to teach my five-day and 10-day program globally uh, what's in the agenda and then creating some online courses for most people who cannot afford to work with somebody who want to work. So they have some form of tools to start the journey and eventually for them to be empowered to go out there and work with somebody who can help them accelerate that journey. Wow. So not much then. <laughs> <laughs> but taking yourself back to that chaotic moment of civil war in your beautiful country as a young teenager, what words would you be whispering into his ear now? Um, trust in you. Yeah. And have that belief in humanity that you seem to be to have held on to throughout everything. Yes, absolutely. Because, you know, when you are in the midst of adversity, especially adversity like that, and especially at the age where you're most vulnerable into transition into adulthood, where you need all the support, the direction, the schooling, the mentors, the teachers, the family around you, the friends around you, the country you, you were brought up, the, your identity. So, you know, this is like when your entire identity crashes. It's almost like, you know, like a, a, you know, a whole building crashes down and suddenly you have nothing. You need to start from nothing. But the truth is you do have it. But in that moment, you forget that you do have it because everything has collapsed. But the truth is uh, that, uh, you know, there is kindness in humanity. You know, there's kindness in that intelligence, whether we call it God, universe, Buddha, Allah, it does not matter the language we use because the reality, all of that is too limiting. We are consistently as humanity learning who we are. We are learning what that intelligence is. So nobody for certain can really describe that powerful energy that everything around uh, us created it. We can only have, you know, uh, our limited knowledge of what we've learned from books, from parents, from religion, from science, but that consistently evolves. So for me, it's uh, my message to anybody who's listening to this is to consistently invest in your greatest asset, which is you. 
And if you can, always have a mentor, a teacher, and somebody who uh, can take you safely through that process. If you can't, invest in books, invest in training, invest in education, online courses, and when you can, combine the two. And for me, it's like always be a student and a teacher of life, and that will serve you for life. That's wonderful. And again, that sort of firm reminder that there is always a choice and whatever situation you're in, there will be a choice. You mentioned it right at the beginning that you were sitting outside the Trocadero, sort of tearful, and that you had the choice to, to go back to uni to have that new, or to create that life for yourself or to destroy it. And, you know, you knew that there was only one option, but you still had a choice and you took, you made that. Absolutely. It's uh, one of the chapters in Path to Wisdom. It's about choice, meaning a choice and the, uh, the decision that needs to be uh, made for that choice. And it is extremely empowering free tool. You know, you don't have to pay an expert or anything like that. Expert can help you about certain bigger things that you want to create in your life. For sure, there's a massive value in working with a teacher, educator, going to university, learning, having a circle of friends who can empower you. But, you know, if we look through history, let's say about Nelson Mandela, we all know that majority of us know the history of Nelson Mandela. And he made the same choice. You know, he made that same choice. He saw a vision where his country could be. He saw a vision for himself. You know, we've seen things like that with a lot of people during the atrocities of uh, Hitler, for instance. You know, what happened with the Jews? And a lot of people back then made that choice. And those people who made that choice, they survived. And they created some incredible things for humanity. And we're looking at the choice, let's say the you know, first black president in America, Barack Obama. You know, uh, there are so many amazing people out there who have proven over and over that that choice can change your life. Well, I feel like we've had a, a whirlwind. You, you described it as a mind tornado earlier, but a, a whirlwind of the life of Tony J. Salimi. So thank you very much for that. It's been incredible. And I, I will ensure that all of the books that you have referenced, all four of your books, go into the show notes so that people can find them, look at them, read them and absorb your content because there's so much value there. How would people get in contact with you, Tony? People can get uh, in contact with, with me through my website, tonyselimi.com. In there, they have all the links to my social media. They can follow me on Instagram, on Twitter, on LinkedIn, on Facebook. I have several pages and uh, also on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, so people can go there, connect with me. They'll have all the information about what I do for people, for individuals, for businesses, for leaders. And also for those people who want to work privately with me, the first step would be to book a private consultation. In those two hours, I really can get a full idea of what this person wants to achieve, what their soul, their mind, their heart is driven to create, and I can show them a path how to get there. And then they have a choice if they want to work with me throughout the year, if they want to work with me, bring me in their business, book me as a speaker on a podcast like this. So all the information is on my website, and there's a lot of free content on YouTube that they can start the learning and the growing journey. Well, I just want to say thank you so much, Tony, for your time today. It's been an absolute delight. I want to say thank you to Adrian for bringing us together. Have you got some final words for the audience, please? Trust in yourself, believe in yourself, and invest all you have in all you want to create. Thank you for listening to the Focus on Why podcast. I'm Amy Rowlandson, and if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave me a five-star Apple podcast review. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Instagram and Facebook and become a member of my inspiring, uplifting and positive Focus on Why Facebook group. 
I help people to focus on their why with clarity, uniting their passion with their purpose with a plan to create the life they truly desire. If you would like me to help you focus on your why, then please book a free 20-minute coaching call via candidly.com forward slash Amy Rowlandson. And if you haven't already, please sign up for the Friday Focus weekly newsletter via my website, amyrowlandson.com. Have a purpose, have a plan, focus on why.